All right, how's that? Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So this afternoon we want to transition into some of the direct practices to work with pain and discomfort. Oh, okay. Okay. And what we mean by direct practices is rather than intentionally shifting our awareness to something else, we're keeping at least part of our awareness on on the pain itself. Not necessarily all of our attention on the pain. So the first topic we'll cover is compassion. And then after the break, we will do... um, some mindfulness excerpts, some mindfulness, go over some mindfulness tools for working with the sensations themselves and the reactivity around the sensations. So, compassion. So I want to talk about what compassion isn't, <laughs> what it is, and then how we practice it. And then we'll do a... Um, a I'll pretend that I'm teaching you how to use how to apply compassion and then you can practice yourselves in pairs again. So what compassion isn't? This morning we talked about we shared a bunch of examples of of what it isn't trying to fix wanting to run away judging So those are some examples of what it isn't. And in terms of what it is, for me, the simplest understanding I have is that it's reaching out a hand. It's just that natural inclination that if somebody slips, there's just that instinct to reach out a hand and help. So in Mindful Self-Compassion, Kristen Neff teaches that there's three parts to self-compassion. One is, or three aspects of self-compassion. One is kindness versus judgment. The second is understanding our, recognizing our common humanity versus isolation. Deliberately reflecting on the common, just the normalness of our human experience, the commonality of our human experience, to help depersonalize it. And the third is mindfulness versus over-identification. Mindfulness in terms of being aware, being knowing the aspects of pain and suffering as they are, as parts of nature, as parts of the human experience, versus this is my stinging, burning pain, suffering. So I find that. Some of us tend to orient more towards self-compassion for self and others orient more towards feeling that others can, compassion can come from outside 
So, for example, and I think both, both can really be useful. So in the examples we'll do, we're going to use both. So for self-compassion, that's the, I care about this. And the external is, I know my family still loves me. I know Jesus loves me. I know, I work with a lot of people who, are, who identify as Christian, so I hear a lot about how God and Jesus help people connect with compassion. And one thing I've been reflecting on personally is that compassion is, is about a relationship. So compassion lives in the relationship to whatever's happening. So in self-compassion, it's the self, some part of myself is relating to another experience in myself with care, love, and that open hand. And then if I'm orienting out, outwardly, it's that I feel that I'm still loved by something outside of myself. And it's that feeling of being loved and cared for that reduces a lot of the agitation around the pain, some of the meanings that we naturally create around pain. This, this shouldn't be happening to me. Why me? And that's a way that I see compassion as being a balm for some of the kinds of spiritual pain that people that we experience as well. Because that sense of isolation, of being kind of cast out from the human fold or the human experience because it's so difficult, is a sort of spiritual pain. So compassion... Yeah, it seems to be a balm and help on many levels. Yeah. So just a couple stories from my own life. Um, I have some chronic pain in my face that actually gets exacerbated when I meditate. And so I learned, I've learned on meditation retreats how sometimes that pain can feel... Um, it's just there's a lot of fighting against it. And I can't, I don't feel like I can control the fighting against it. So for me, I will often kind of sing to myself, actually, when I'm in that kind of discomfort. And I sing a, a loving kindness prayer to myself. And I had a teacher who said that compassion can, can reduce pain by 30%. I asked Orrin about it over lunch, and he didn't have any statistics. <laughs> and I haven't seen it in the research, but in any case. Just that signif- the significance and importance of our relationship to pain and how it's kind of like overwriting. If we're fighting against it, compassion can kind of overwrite that with love. And then there's less room for that fighting. And then another story is that one day at, 
at work at, at the hospital at UCSF, I was really working with this, okay, whatever the patient does, I'm not going to run away from it, and I'm not going to try to fix it, okay, whatever they do. And so I was really set on that that day. And there was a patient in the ICU, and she was really angry. She was really angry. I forget what she was angry about, you know, could be anything. And I just, she kept saying, you know, saying some, some, she's angry about this, she's angry about that. And I kept just kind of standing there and being like, yeah, you're angry about this, you're angry about that. And I thought, you know, I went past the point I normally would have in terms of accepting her. Usually I would have, I don't know, escaped before that. But I stuck with it longer this time. And all of a sudden, she said, you're, you're a little bird that visited me today. You know, just some random thing that really surprised me, kind of out of left field. So... The other thing I want to mention is that for me, and I think this is for others too, that one of the hardest parts of being with patients who are suffering is that is working with our own helplessness. It's so unbearable sometimes. And that compassion seems to be something that can be applied, you know, when you really don't know what else to do. Or you just kind of out there. <laughs> like in our life vest or something. So those are some, that's a little overview on compassion. I'm sure you all have your own experiences with it. And we want to do some practices. Add one or two things? Yeah. Just when you were starting, we were talking about what isn't compassion, and just that last point you made about the helplessness. Um, Kind of in the Buddhist tradition, they talk about these, um, like a near miss, like a quality that's close to compassion, but not quite compassion. And um, I think that's helpful to name, particularly as we start to move into the practices. So on on one side, we can have um, pity for someone, um, which... uh, in this definition has a sense of separation, right? Like, oh, poor you. It's a sense of sympathy, like you're suffering over there and I'm so sorry about that. So we're not actually joining, we're not actually contacting the pain. So it's a little bit too pulled back. The other, the other side is that we fall into the suffering. Instead of actually having compassion, which like that beautiful image Evan offered of lending a hand, we actually become overwhelmed by the suffering. It consumes us. And that's also not compassion. It's also not helpful. Like if someone's drowning, they don't want you to jump in the water and start drowning with them. They want you to, you know, get a buoy or a stick and help them. If you're like, oh my God, you're drowning. Now we're both drowning. Like this is not good. So compassion is this very subtle and it's not a fixed state. 
it's this very subtle, again, as Evan was saying so beautifully, it's in the relationship. And it's not too close, but it's not too far away. It's just that meeting of suffering with the, with the tenderness and the willingness to support. Wonderful. So, well, I want to offer kind of step by step going in, kind of introducing self-compassion to another. And I'm just going to pretend that you're, you know, the patient. So, if a good friend were in pain, how would you feel towards them? If a good friend were feeling the pain that you're feeling today, how would, how would you feel towards them? Compassionately. So then, if someone you care about was with you right now, everything you're going through right now, how do you think they'd relate to you? Just imagine them, imagine their, what they might say to you. Or their facial expressions or gestures. And I'm wondering if, as you're thinking about that, if you can actually, if you can feel that, that care as if it were here right now. If you can let yourself receive some of that care. Sometimes it's hard to do. And now, I'm wondering if you can feel any of that sense of care for yourself right now. Just as your friend would feel about you. And it may just be a little bit of care, a little bit of compassion. Can you let yourself receive that little bit of compassion? So that's one series of questions that can be helpful for slowly, step-by-step, moving towards self-compassion. Any reflections on, on that or questions?
something not falling into I wanted to just um, mention one is that if it's hard for the other to move into self-compassion it's perfectly fine to stay with other compassion other oriented compassion if that's you know if if you're working with with patients like mine it's a crisis it's a time of crisis it's not a time to struggle and figure out <laughs> how to be self-compassionate if that's really hard so just stick with other and then the other thing is that just as in our other practices that this would come what would come before this would be some education and invitation. It seems like you're having a hard time. What has helped some of my other patients is to bring a little more kindness for oneself. Would you like can we t- I'd love to talk about that with you or explore that with you. How would that be? Are you up for that? So that for the relationship and for consent and interest. All right. So we'd love to hear how that went for you. Any um, surprises, learnings, questions? Um, So David and I were working together and we discovered two ways it just kind of happened organically for us to manage when it was hard to move in what you were just saying moving into self-compassion one was just self-acceptance that that felt okay and when it was hard to move into a more a deeper kind of compassionate experience it was well I accept that this is the way it is right now and I can be there um and that was nice to sort of feel like that was an option if going deeper was harder. Um, and then the other one that we discovered was um, that it was okay to be fluid, that if sitting with self-compassion for a while um, was hard, we could move back into, well, what does it feel like to feel compassion for someone else? What does it feel like for that other someone to feel compassion for me? And we could move among all of those options and then maybe touch back into the self-compassion again. And then when that got difficult, we could move around. So um, it, it felt nice to have options and not have to feel like, okay, i got to get in this and stay here, because even if it feels hard. So, yeah. thanks. Great, thank you. It's a great point that obviously when, some, when we're struggling, it's, go where it's easy. <laughs> Follow the easy road. How was it for you? I'm curious to have your partner kind of guiding you through these questions. How did that feel internally? Was it easeful? Did it feel um, foreign? Um, Was it eye-opening? Was it simplistic? Like, what was your felt experience of having someone kind of invite you to look at the situation from those different perspectives? Yeah, David? 
Well, it was a very intimate process mm-hmm. of discovery of mm-hmm. something very intimate. Mm-hmm. And so it was like titrating, mm-hmm. you know, little by little, sensing whether or not uh, one could go any further, you know, mm-hmm. trying to feel that out uh, little by little. Yeah, nice, beautiful. Yeah, we're, we're working in the terrain of the heart here. And so that kind of sensitivity and attunement is is really important, right? So we don't cross a boundary that that's not welcome, or step ahead of where someone where someone already is. Yeah. Any other experiences or comments or questions? Yeah. Um, it's ironic because the first point that you made about having difficulty kind of going within kind of where you were and um, saying, kind of accepting this is where I am today, my thought was that's fluidity because I'm looking at the fluidity of being able to say today that's where I am, but tomorrow I may not be. And then ironic that your next point was about fluidity about something else. So I thought that was kind of interesting and appreciating, yes, we go where it's easy and where it's comfortable, but I also found that that observation about just accepting where I am today is so powerful. So I just wanted to comment on that because, again, that could already be such a self-accepting piece, and working with those in crisis or chronic issues, they can't go beyond, so just being able to recognize and validate that I think is very powerful.